Well, good morning, Offshore. So glad that you're here with us today to worship. I want to invite you, if you're in the room, stand with us. We're just going to begin this morning by celebrating the Father that he welcomes us into his presence with open arms, that we are welcomed and we are invited to gather in today. Let's worship together. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. It looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore ooh you're in the Father's house yeah. you're in the Father's house oh. arrival's not the end game the journey's where you are Never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room. Let's say that again. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room.
trusting in Jesus that I'd actually get in the room. They're like, see here? And I'm trying to catch my breath. Isn't that sad? Uh, I'm going to invite you to sit just for a few minutes here. And uh, one of the great expressions of the sweetness of trusting in Jesus is baptism. And uh, we get to celebrate some baptisms today. And I want to invite you to participate in several ways. One is very simply that if you have, are a follower of Jesus and you've been baptized, like at a wedding, you're renewed in your own baptism. Oh, this is my life change too. For some of you, maybe you've responded or you've considered it and you haven't been. And this will be in a picture of what you, we want you to discover, what it means to follow him. And then we're here to celebrate with those who are being baptized. Between all the campuses and services, I think we have nine people that are being baptized. And it's kind of a picture of how many over the year have this and how many of us in life of the church were continually expanding. And let me just give you this final picture. Baptism itself is an image. As we go under the water, Christ meets us in the depth of our sin and brokenness by entering humanity, by dying on our behalf, by paying for that, by conquering sin and death and by rising. When we enter the waters of baptism, we're saying we need you and we need your sacrificial death and we need to be freed. And when we come out, it's a picture of coming out into new life. And it's always a picture of how we meet people in their brokenness and help them discover it, amen? And so here's the beauty. It says all of heaven sings in the midst of what God does. So we're gonna have you stand and we're gonna have you sing as we baptize people. You are singing over them of the firm foundation, the beauty of who Jesus is. So let me have you stand. I'm gonna pray for this time and then we're gonna have some fun. And you'll see it on the screen as we sing. Lord, meet us in this sacrament. Meet everyone who's being baptized to not just volitionally experience or even viscerally, but they would know and solidify their foundation of you, dying for them and rising for them. And Lord, in the same way, meet us. However you want to meet us, that we would discover and increase our understanding of who you are and what you mean to us. We pray this in your name. And as we sing, God, may we sense all of heaven singing with us. We say this in the name of Jesus, amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand.
so grateful, Lord, that you are a God who does not fail. 
God, that you are a father to each and every one of us. God, that you love us perfectly. God, not for what we do, but for who we are. The truth that we are your sons and your daughters. Lord, and we join in with celebration today, just celebrating life found in you. God, life resurrected by your spirit. Lord, we're so grateful for that. And so now, Lord, as as we continue to worship together today, God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us. God, that we would be able to slow down enough from the busyness of our lives to be able to sense your presence and your leading and your instruction today. We pray all of these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And we said together as a church, amen, amen. Well, if you're in the room, you can go ahead and find your seat. And our host ran out of the room. (laughs) So I'm going to just vamp for a little bit um, and wing it. Hey, we're really glad that you guys are here today. We pray that this service already has been meaningful for you. I know for me, anytime I see believers get baptized, that my heart is just reinvigorated. And I remember my own baptism and I remember just my journey with Christ, right? And so I just pray that already that you have just been encouraged today and that you just feel God's presence in this place. We have uh, so much to celebrate today. And if you're not aware, this is a day that we call Celebration Sunday because we as a church have a fiscal year that goes from June through May. And so this is our first Sunday of the new year. And uh, so we take time on this day to really look back over the past year and just reflect how God has been moving in our body as a church. And there are many things to celebrate, many things to share. I know um, Thad was actually planning to share some global updates with you. I don't have all of the statistics, but what I can tell you is that in this past year, All Shores was actually the number one giving Wesleyan Church to Global Partners, which is the branch of missions for the Wesleyan Church. So that is of all of the American churches, All Shores is number one in giving. And I just love being at a church that puts so much emphasis not only on our communities and serving them well, but also the kingdom of God globally and how we can better serve people from around the world. Yeah, it's awesome. And there are a couple of things that we're engaging in actually in the next couple of months as a church. So one is a trip uh, to Greece that's in a few weeks where Pastor Thad and Pastor Pete and myself, we're actually going to pour into um, people who give of their lives uh, to serve the mission globally. And so there's people from all around the world that will gather with us and we'll get to pour into them for a week. It's going to be a really good time. I know we've got a team that's planning to go and serve in Ethiopia later this year. There are lots of great things. And so if you'd like to know more just about All Shore's heart for the, the world and for missions, you can visit us online. There's a, there's a global page that you can go and see how we're interacting with partners from all around the world. We have a great rest of the service plan for you today. I want to invite, if you're new here, to fill out our connection card. And this is also the time of the service that we just take to continue our worship to the Lord through giving. We believe that giving is not a transactional thing, that it's not like paying your bill, but instead it's an act of faith that everything that we have comes from the Lord himself. And so in hearts of gratitude, we just give back our resources, both our finances 
and our time and our energy and our gifts and our talents. And so there are some giving options behind me on the screen there. I just want to encourage you to engage in that if you feel led, or there are boxes out on the exits as you exit today. You're welcome to give a physical gift that way as well. We also have Team World Vision with us today. And so uh, Mallory's going to come up in a few moments and share some things, but uh, I want to invite you to turn your eyes to the screen. We've got a video for you today. I always thought running was dumb. Oh, I never wanted to run, hated running. I am not an athlete. I'm not a runner. I never thought I would run a marathon. Why are we doing this? This is hard. It's because we're saving lives. I was sitting in a spiritual recliner. You know, the lever on the side of that recliner, God just pulled it and ejected me out and said, hey, get to work. I need to move. Water crisis is something that we think of very little because nobody here in the U.S. has to walk six miles back and forth daily to get water. Because of World Vision's work, children are free to go to school. Women are able to go to work and build up their local communities. You know, I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as a super athlete. Can I go run 26 miles? I couldn't when training started, but today I can. I've had five knee surgeries. This is a total gift that God's given back to me. You need to do something with it. There are people who tell me all the time now that they are grateful that they can donate because they feel like they're running along with me. The Team World Vision family, it is a family. It doesn't matter how fast or how slow we run. These are all people who are changing the world with their feet. I'm not running for myself. I'm running for someone else's finish line. And that's what keeps me moving. Well, hello, friends. If Thank you. That was nice. That was a really good, Pete, they're good for you, this, this service. Um, so if we haven't met before, my name is Mallory. I'm usually at the Muskegon campus, but today I am here launching the 2023 half and full marathon team for Team World Vision. And this is walking and running. So, you know, before I say anything else, just be thinking. If you can walk, you can do this. Um, so there are people that have to walk for miles and miles a day just to get dirty water that will only make them sick. In fact, 50% of kids in areas that don't have access to clean water will die before the age of five. That is one of my two kids or half of the kids in Shore Kids right now. But I believe that we can be a part of this solution. And actually 80% of the people that sign up to move their bodies with Team World Vision have never even run a 5K before. Have never, uh, before I did it, I didn't even run a mile since my last uh, time doing it in high school when they made me. Um, so you can do this. And so I'm inviting you to say yes, but I'm not inviting you to say yes to move your body very far yet. Just to move at the end of the service to where Pete is sitting right in the front. We're going to meet for about seven minutes uh, just to hear a little bit more about how we can move our bodies to uh, help people around the world. And I'd love to see you after service. I promise, I promise it will be a good time. And if you haven't seen me in a while, at least come and say hi to me. It's been great to see you all. See you after service.
Thank you, Mallory. World Vision has been a great partner with All Shores, and I don't know if Carter mentioned, but uh, over the last nine years of relationship, $400,000 has been raised for clean water projects and 50 kids sponsored. Yeah. And that's just a little piece of what we do globally. We have 15 missionaries who are on the field uh, in 13 different countries. Ten of those missionary partners are from all shores being sent out. And so we have a lot to celebrate, a lot that God is doing around the world. But uh, he's doing some things right here in our own area. And so take a look at the screens for this week's announcements. What's up, all shores family? We are so excited for another opportunity to get to come together, all of our campuses, for our next core night this Wednesday at 6.30. We're going to join together at the Spring Lake campus for a night of fun, a night of connection, and we're going to get to hear our pastor, Pastor Pete's heart for us as a church, his upcoming plans for his sabbatical, and his desire and blessing over us as a church while he's away. We really hope that you'll bring your whole family out. We're gonna have food provided beforehand for you to enjoy for dinner. And following our time with Pastor Pete, we're gonna have fire pits and s'mores to enjoy together as a church family afterward. We'll also have childcare provided for your little ones from birth through age three. And we are so looking forward to this time to connect as a church family and be spurred on and encouraged in what God has for us this summer. I hope to see you there. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May the Spirit reveal to you the incredible worthiness of the Lamb, and may you join in with all of creation, responding to him that way and living for him and through him. For his glory and your joy, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus as well. In just a minute, we'll be engaging in the scriptures in the second week of a week we've titled The Big Three, and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. I want to invite you, before we open the scriptures, to pray that we, we speak regularly about the fact that it's not about information or persuasion. It's not that I can tell you enough or that I can persuade you, but we believe God is a God of revelation. In other words... Whatever your posture, be honest with God, and he wants to speak to you. That's what we believe, that he wants to reveal himself. So whether you're among us with doubt, with struggle, with question, whether you've been disheartened and disillusioned, whether you have atrophied and you're going, I'm a follower, but it's kind of been dormant, or whether you're thriving and growing, or somewhere in between in any of that. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray in one additional area today. I was given permission uh, by the family, and they're actually watching online one of the realities of the life of the church is we live in joy and in sorrow together. And uh, this morning, early this morning, Ken Ernie passed away after a very long journey um, with uh, ALS and passed away peacefully, had really profound moments in recent days of continually sharing love and gratitude back and forth, but it's grief and it's pain. And so we both grieve together and we celebrate together. And 
I don't want us to miss, that we can pray for them just on our own, and I will pray for them even as I pray for you, because they're with us even now, together, gathering, and kind of living in the life of their church in the midst of their ache, and we're aching with them. So you pray in the quiet for your own soul, for your own life, but pray as well for Lori, for all of Ken's kids and all the spouses and grandkids and extended family and so many others that have been part of that. You pray, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, we, uh, we cry out uh, with Lori, or for Lori and her family. All of these, this huge extended family that is sitting in reality and sorrow right now and in joy. And so, Lord, we pray you'll meet them individually, together, and collectively. And just give us hearts that have compassion in the midst of it and even visions of Ken with you, free and uh, whole. And Lord, we thank you that you know to pray when we don't. So would you bring them to mind? Would you carry them? And would you be with them even now with all they're dealing with? And at the same time, Lord, we invite you to be with us as we open the scriptures. God, would you reveal yourself to us, your love for us, your goodness to us in all of life? And Lord, I'm asking that I wouldn't get in the way. So if I have things to say that either confuse or confound what you wanna do, let them fall to the ground and be forgotten. But I'm asking that whatever you want to say and however you want to speak, that you'd speak now. And like the psalmist, I pray the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and our actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we'll get into this in a minute of the three big uh, blessings, these kind of really wonderful gifts. But I want to take you with me, before we do that, um, to a gentleman who's a a pastor tells a story. Ken, uh, Ken Shigematsu is his name, and his wife is Seiko. And Ken tells the story of his wife's love of animals. This woman loves animals so much, they actually have a menagerie in their home. They've had cats and dogs and even a ferret. But one of the most unique experiences they had was they actually had a chipmunk join their family. And not Alvin and Theodore, not that kind of chipmunk. They had a chipmunk joint. This was a really sick, ill chipmunk. The vet told him that it wouldn't last a few days, and they took the chipmunk in. And Seiko, who had a deep passion, was so convinced the chipmunk would live, she named him Forte because she knew he would strengthen. And so she began to care for this little chipmunk, and life came back to this little one to such a degree and so moved by Seiko that when she came into the room, the chipmunk would begin running all over, going crazy as chipmunks do. And then even if she was on her computer, they'd jump on the computer and push random keys along the way, just stuck around her. Well, this increasingly grew. And as this little chipmunk, Forte, became stronger, began to do what chipmunks do, is just gather walnuts and put them in their area of sleeping. That's what they do. They put them in their, their little place of habitat. But in days and weeks ahead, the chipmunk became so attached to this mom that pretty soon half of the little walnuts it got, it would put under her pillow. Literally, it knew its source and had to respond. Now, I tell you that because while it is kind of a cute and, and a bit of an inspiring story, it is the very picture of what we can have when we truly understand the love of God. That when we know how he loves and cares for us, we cannot help but want to give back to him for it. 
And that's a sense of where we're going today. We're looking at these big three. It's really a benediction or a blessing that we've been in. It's at the end of a letter that Paul writes to the church. Paul is one of our earliest leaders, and we'll get into more about him. And the reason I chose this, this blessing is very selfish and specific. And I would tell you, I think led by God, but many of you know I'm, I'm going to be heading out for sabbatical towards the end or the beginning of July, the end of this month. This is the second one I've been given by the church. Um, and so it's been about eight years since I had the last one. And I, first of all, just want to tell you how grateful I am that we have a church that cares for our pastors and leaders And I want you to know more about what I think God wants to do for me and what he wants to do for us. And so we have what we call a core night this week on Wednesday. I'm not trying to do this today, but Wednesday night at 6.30 here in this campus, and you can come early. We're going to have food because we know you all like to eat, and I do too. And we'll have some time afterwards as well. And I think it can be a really meaningful, fun time. We're going to reflect back on some other things that God has done, but we'd love to have you come and hear more about that. Having said that, For me, knowing I'm heading out, I wanted to give you something before I'm out for these couple of months. And this benediction, this blessing was just really meaningful to me to go, listen, this is what I'm praying for you every day, even as I give it to you over these three weeks. So that's the background of this. And I'm going to show you what the actual benediction is, and we're going to walk through the second part of it. This is what Paul says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, if you're not with us last week, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we looked at first. And very simply, we said it this way. What we discover in Jesus is that God is for you, that he's abundantly, proactively, and sacrificially for you. That's what grace is. And we said the same way we want you to be for others. So I am praying regularly, and I will be, that you continue to discover how Jesus is for you. Having said that, we're into this week, that we want to understand what is the love of God? What does Paul mean by this? And what might it mean for us to increasingly discover it? And let me just say it this way. We understand that love is an easily used word for lots of things today, don't we? I mean, we all love all sorts of things, don't we? Well, I said, what do you love? I bet you'd come up with a list of them. And some of them would be things as simple as uh, something you eat. But man, I love when I eat. It's good. could be something that you have. It could even be what someone brings to you. We, we tend to love things that give something to us. But what we're saying, and what I believe Paul is saying, is something much bigger than that, the love of God. It's the source of everything. It's who God is. That's what we hear over and over again. And so I hope to give you a little bit of help of what does he mean by this that might expand it for us. And let me say it to you this way. I don't want it simply to be, did you understand it more deeply? Did you feel something? But could God revelatorily, in other words, could something happen that he expands something in your very heart and soul as we talk about this. So to discover it, I think the place to start is understanding Paul's story. Because Paul's the one that's saying this. He's the one that's praying this. And you're like, well, where did Paul come to believe in God's love so deeply? What's the source of that? Why does he see things the way he does? And so I want to take you back to the story of his life. And this is found in Acts He actually tells his story twice, and the first one is the actual event. So Acts, in case you don't know, is Luke's Luke tells one of the four Gospels, one of the accounts of Jesus, and then he writes the book of Acts, which is really the telling of the life of the early church. And then most of the rest of what we call the New Testament scriptures are are letters from leaders to the churches that have begun. So let me take you back to Acts 9, and and I'll say it this way. Some of you are going to be familiar with it, and you're going to be really quick to go. I know that story, and you click kind of the autopilot button. And then others of you will go, I don't even know who this is. So I'm going to ask you to engage this way. Engage with your mind, engage with your 
your emotions, engage with your experience. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to think and if you put yourself in his shoes. So I'm gonna take you back to when Paul is Saul. His name was Saul from birth. And in Acts 9, it tells us what he's doing at that point. Saul is a Pharisee of Pharisees and a Jew of Jews. In other words, this dude has achieved every moral standard he should as best he can. He's lived his life trying to live the Jewish way and be pleasing to God and do the right thing. This is a moralistic champion. So, so just put yourself in a minute. What would it feel like to do everything you can to always do the right thing and always be right and always appear that you're doing it the right way? Can you, can you put yourself in what that might both think like and feel like? Would you feel pressure and demand and a high expectation of others and a high push to always do and be the right thing, fighting to get there? And that's exactly how Saul was. In fact, he was so concerned about this new little faction of Jews that were talking about Jesus rising that he thought violated this and the Jewish culture did, that he went to the high priest and said, give me papers, make it legal, because I do the right thing. And he went after these people that were espousing something he saw as a lie and heresy. And he would both take them to prison, beat them, watch others beat them, kill them in the name of God. He's doing everything he can to hope God will be pleased if he protects the Jewish way with everything he can. Now, I know, or at least I don't think anyone in here is about stoning people or beating them to death or any of that. I haven't heard any of that from any of you in any time recently. I'm not putting that on you. But we certainly do it with our words and we certainly do it in our culture. We can put ourselves in a place like, I have to do everything I can to fight and protect what's right. That's Saul. And as he's heading out on a trip, believing that maybe God will be pleased if I do enough and live enough and keep people from the way they should and fight enough. And all of a sudden, a light shines from heaven and everybody with him sees it, but for whatever reason, it only blinds him. And at least in one accounts, we, he's the one that hears God say, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, on his knees, unable to see, asks a very important question, who are you, Lord? Like, I don't even know why you're telling me this. I'm doing the right thing. And all he hears back is Jesus says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And then a series of events happen and he can't see. And Jesus gives him enough direction. He heads on to the city he was going to to catch the, what he would see, think were the bad guys. He's now in Damascus, blinded and waiting. Okay? So just picture yourself. You've lived upright every way you can. You've done everything you can. Believe me, if God was ever pleased with somebody, it's got to be me. I'm doing it. You're now blind. You've been told you're in the wrong pattern. And don't forget, he's got to be remembering things now too. God told him he was persecuting. He was doing it wrong. And the very ones he was persecuting are the ones that got it right. So he's now got to be replaying in his mind. Oh my goodness. I was there when they stoned Stephen. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, it comes a little bit before this. He stood there. Stephen was a follower of Jesus and was telling everybody he lived and died and rose again. And all the people set their coats down and said, Saul, will you watch our coats and endorse it? He stood there to protect their stuff and watched as they stoned Stephen to death. And now he's thinking back, it was wrong. And he's gotta be thinking back to every person. He caused pain and suffering, pulled away. The church actually freaked out and went all over different places earlier in the story because of fear of what he was gonna do to take them out. Which by the way, side note, that ended up actually expanding the kingdom. Isn't that cool? He freaked him out to scare him, and people went, okay, I'm scared. And God went, okay, let me, I can use that. I'll put you here and here and here and here. Let's expand it there. It's pretty cool. I just always love how God does stuff that doesn't make sense, and it's awesome. Anyway, back to Saul. So he's now on his knees. He's spending three days. And another person comes into play, a guy named Ananias. 
And this guy is a God fearer. He's trying to follow the way, but he's also kind of moving and learning about this Jesus. And he knows who Saul is. Saul's a dude you don't mess with. So God whispers to Ananias, hey, you need to go to Saul and you need to go lay your hands on him and I'm gonna open his eyes. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Okay, God, I've been praying to you and asking for you to move and help people. And you're telling me to go to the dude that kills everybody and touch him. Uh, could I use a stick? I think this is a perfect time to give the mantle of my ministry to another. I'm gonna lay hands on someone else and they can go do it. I mean, can you, maybe you wouldn't think that way, but I certainly would. This is time for development. I'm not gonna take the power of this. I'll give it to, I'll give it to Evan. I'll let him go. Just kidding, Evan. I don't even know where you are, but I'm just kidding. I'll give it to Thad. I'll give it to whoever. I'm just, okay, so he goes. You do understand the fear he must have to go. He lays hands on Saul, he prays, and Saul's eyes are opened. And the crazy part, we don't fully understand how it all happens, although Ananias got a window into this too. God tells him, he, Paul, you're gonna suffer. This is gonna be really hard on you. This is gonna be horrible for you. So why does Paul wanna do it? You know why? Because in that moment, he knew God loved him because he was destroying life and living it the wrong way. And God not only freed him for that, he poured his love into him that he goes, whatever happens, I don't care because I'm overwhelmed. You want to talk about walnuts? I'm going to spread those babies like there's no tomorrow because, man, your love is pouring into me in a way I can't explain. And everything shifted. I just want you to get the picture of this to begin with. I, I want you to understand that's where this comes from. So when he writes, it's not like, here's a theological truth. It's like, this truth rocked my world and changed me. And by the way, these other two accounts... I just find them interesting for us as Christians because he's talking to a Jewish group of people. So he frames everything that happens here in the light of Jewish understanding. He talks here to Roman kings and leaders and he frames everything in light of God reaching the Gentiles. In other words, Paul knows how to frame the story for the people he's with because he understands their experience and does it for that. And, and, and I want to tell you about the one with King Agrippa in, in Acts 26 because he basically tells him, hey, just so you know, I mean, God came here to overcome the power of Satan and move people to him. So they're moving from darkness to light. And you do understand the implication. If he's overcoming the power of Satan, kings of Roman empires, they're using the wrong power. You realize that's not an easy message to tell them. And at one point then the king says, you're, you, dude, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? And beautifully, Paul doesn't care. He doesn't care because he's bold. He doesn't care because he's this high-driven A-type person. He's driven because... He cannot get away from a God who met him in a place when he was the most destructive to what God was doing and loved him so much to forgive him, which is what it also tells us in his story, that God forgave him and gave him new life and gave him a new name, by the way, Paul. Tell me that's not gonna be compelling. Like, I want you to understand. So when he says the love of God, it comes from the experience of this and it's driven his entire life. Let me give you an example from the very letter we're in and kind of two sides of this. Paul tells two sides of his life in the whole letter. One of the pieces he tells is all that he has that would give him high praise and high meaning. Paul is a Jew of Jew and a Pharisee of Pharisees. There's many layers to being a Pharisee and he's reached the highest. So in his religious, moral life, he's at the peak. Paul is also a birth, by birth a Roman citizen. So in Roman culture, he has high standing. In other words, both outside of being a Jew and inside of being a Jew, Paul lives in the best of all worlds. And you know what he says about all the best that he has? I don't care. 
all the benefits he has don't matter to him because he's so taken by the love God has shown him through a blinding light and a change of heart and a meeting him in the most broken and destructive place to reform his life and forgive him that he just says all this good stuff doesn't matter. And in case you think it's just the good stuff, in 2 Corinthians, he also tells us about the bad stuff. He says, oh, in case you don't know, I've been beaten five times to 40 lashes minus one, which basically means I've been beaten so badly each time. They do minus one to take you almost to death, but keep you alive. I've basically been almost beaten to death five times. He says, oh, and then three times, three, three times I've been beaten, just beaten as a punishment. And he goes, and one time I was stoned. And he's not talking about, he's talking about, like I've been beaten down that way. And it's even confusing that he survived. They don't understand how he would survive, that he did. And then he goes on to other things. I've been in danger at sea. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the village. I've been in danger from what were supposed to be my Jewish comrades, comrades and in danger from the Gentiles around me. I've been in danger and in want. I've gone without food and without drink and without sleep. And then he goes on to say, and if you think that's bad enough, caring about how God moves in all of your lives, all of the people I've come to help discover Jesus is a burden I don't even know how to carry. In the great and the most painful, it doesn't matter because what I've experienced of his love has changed everything for me. That's where I want some chipmunk response right there, you know? Like a chipmunk can see their one that's providing life for them, but we as people often miss it. And for Paul, it compels him and it drives him differently. Now it goes very simply this way. This is how the, very simply how it changes. It goes from him to the church. In other words, Paul experiences it, he receives it, he discovers it, and guess what he does with it? Gives it away. Oh, I want you to know this too. Oh, I want you to know this too. Oh, I really simply want you to know this too. <laughs> I, what I think of is, is literally Paul's going, hey, listen, I don't want you just to go back to God and give thanks for it. I want you to take the walnut of his love and I want you to put it everywhere you go to every person you know. In other words, to be that loving presence all around you. And that's what he does. And then he's saying to you to do the same. And he doesn't just tell him to do it, by the way. Paul lives it out by how he prays. Now, I think oftentimes we think of prayer as something we sit and stop and do, and maybe we ask God for something, and now we get back to the work. And for Paul, the prayers are literally what he's doing. Remember, Paul walks all over this ancient world. Much of his life is spent walking from place to place and working from place to place. And guess what he's doing the whole time? He's praying. He's asking God to do something. You know what his prayers are founded on? Things like this. Lord, I pray that people will understand the height and breadth and depth and width of your love, and they won't just know it. They'll be filled with it that they can give it away. And in case you don't know, Jesus, who now is resurrected and at the right hand of the Father, you know what he does all the time? He prays. He prays for us. If you think prayer is an inactive part of what we do so we have activity, you are just wrong. It is the heart of God to call things into being and to ask for him and his power to move. That's how much Paul loves and loved the church and loves us. And then I'll just say the cycle again. We discover it and we give it and we repeat. We discover it and we give it and we repeat. We discover it and we give it and repeat. So as I will be praying this for you and we will today, when I'm praying that I want you to know the love of God, 
and for it to be with you. I'm praying for it, not just as a momentary discovery, but an increased understanding. This, I can see this at least from my own life, and I know this is true of Christian experience. The more we know of God, the more it expands our understanding of his love, and the more we have to give away. It's not that you give it away and it's gone and you need to get more. It's that you give it away and it's still there. Isn't that crazy? I mean, what, what can you do that you have that you give away and you still have? Nothing. But the love of God, the more I get, the more I have to give. The more I have to give, the more I get. The more I get, the more I give. It is a crazy cycle, isn't it? We look for abundance in the wrong places. <laughs> or as Elmer Fudd would say, what can Fudd know in the wrong places? All right? Oh, maybe that wasn't, I'm not even gonna go back where that was. All right, let me take you on to the love of God in our story. Because I want this to connect to us as a church and who God's called us to be as a church and then who he's calling us to be as people and as individuals. So I wanna take you back first to the statement we make in our mission statement, which is to be radically loving. And I want you to understand it in light of the name of our church and this story. So let me tell it to you this way. When I moved into this role, I had a vision that I think God gave me about radical love. And that's half of the mission. We talk about growing together in Christ. These work together. But the simple part was that I understood radical love was something God revealed to us of himself. And the more he gave to us, the more he wanted us to give it to others. And so I want to use John 21 as a picture for you. And we've used it other times, but it's good to be reminded. It's very simply this. Peter, who's one of Jesus' closest followers, The end of Jesus' life, Peter denies him three times, and then Jesus dies and rises. And Pete's not in his best moment after Jesus' resurrection because he completely betrayed him at the end of his life. So Peter goes back to work on the Sea of Galilee. He goes back to fishing. Kind of feels like I blew it and I failed. And guess where Jesus meets him? Right on the shore. Right on the shore of his life and of his work and of his brokenness and of his misery. And Jesus not only calls him in, which is a crazy scene in and of its own, he then restores him, and then he calls him to go take that love and help others discover it. So what we say in the churches, and when we change the name to all shores, we said the shores are a great picture because it's a picture of God meeting us in our need for love in the shores of our lives. Meaning as we walk day to day, God meets us. He meets us in our work life. He meets us at home. He meets us in revelatory moments. He meets us in our brokenness and our shame and restores and redeems and reveals his love for us. And then he says, hey, listen, go help others find it. You take the walnuts I've given you and you start placing them other places and you find the shores of other people's lives. So we say, you know what shores are for us? The shores is the shore everywhere you go. We tell you this all the time. If you follow Jesus, we ask this question, where's the Holy Spirit live? In us. And I'm not meaning that as a slam to those of you who don't. It's the reality that we believe when God forgives us, he not only frees us, but fills us. And we believe he's running after you, even if you're not looking for him. But here's the beauty. God meets us in the shore of our most devastating, destructive life and moments. And he forgives us and loves us. And in case you don't know, he forgives us because he loves us. He doesn't forgive us in order to love us. Romans tells us this very clearly while we're sinners, Christ died for us. God goes to the shore of our failure. But then he also says, I'm giving you my presence and guess where it goes? It goes anywhere you go. (laughs) Do you know you go places and no one else goes? And there could be some shady places. That's a whole nother conversation. But what I mean is you go to be with people and you meet them in places no one else will. And guess what you bring? 
You bring the presence of God and the love of God. What an incredible strategy, by the way. God fills you to go help people that no one else would reach, to be on shores no one else go to. And make no mistake, that's not just you personally, that's us together, that's in the communities we're in. And I love that we celebrated global pieces today because we're sending people all over the world that we're on shores and even shores that are landlocked <laughs> because it's the shores of life all over the place because we care that God will meet people wherever they are, amen? That's the picture of the life of our church. Now, I'm gonna give you two things that we talk about to kind of remind us and celebrate this year. The first one is what we call abiding, being with Jesus. And we've said this over and over again, that we believe God wants to live in you and be with you, that abiding is discovering and having communion with the Lord himself. And one of the big lies we're overcoming is that people think Jesus only wants to be with certain few people. In case you don't know, dead lie. Do you think Jesus wants to be with you any less than the most kind of the greatest saint you would think of. And I would say, nope. When he tore the temple curtain, he said, anybody and everybody I wanna be with. Right. And one of the things we're overcoming, and you've gotten, a lot of you made moving this year, is God actually wants to have relationship with you and communion with you. And we've said one of the central places we discover that's in scripture, but we discover it alone and together. So many of you are moving more towards discovering being with him and what that means, honestly. And then some of you, many of you are discovering what it means to be with him together. And I'll tell you this as a leadership and as a staff and a board, every one of us is committed to growing in this honestly. So sometimes we share, man, this is really hard. I don't know how to get there and I'm struggling. Other times we get to share, God gave me some today. I'd never experienced that before. But you need to know we're living this before we're leading it. And I'm celebrating this year. I've heard growth from many of you in many places, in many ways, personally, communally. And this is the simple encouragement I wanna give you about this. For some of you, you're thinking, I just, I don't even know if I can get to Sunday every week. And I'm not giving you a pass on that. I would tell you it's unfortunate that we make this a periodic engagement for many of us because you're missing out on more. But I would tell you what God has for you is so much more in your own life, in your communal life, even in a group life. That what church is is a filling to send you out to live personally in, in smaller communities. So yeah, if your only step is to grow in this, grow in this. But I'm telling you, you should start working to grow and being with him. We want that for you. That's the first side of it. Let me take the second. It's the idea of being deployed, being on mission. And I said this already. I kind of said you go out. It's been really fun to hear different stories from some of you. And we've heard stories this last year of people beautifully that have simply, uh, the coffee shop they go to, they're growing in their love and connection to others. They're looking at the shores of the coffee shop and like, man, I didn't know that person. I had never heard this. Oh, I hear this story and I just wanna be a loving presence right now. Some of you, it's in your work environment. We've heard about things in schools and in work and in your neighborhoods. We have one, one, uh, one of our individuals who serves here and they, their, their kids connect other kids in the neighborhood and they thought, I should just, we should invite them to come hang out with us at church. And they start doing it and then their parents aren't asking questions and aren't inviting them. They're just being friends and neighbors and loving each other. Wouldn't you wanna bring people to the God who loves them and help them discover that? I listen and hear how you're growing and knowing you personally can have a mission of life. You know, we celebrated baptism today and we celebrate lots. And my dream is you're the ones baptizing, not us. Because you're the ones changing lives. You know, Paul had a story he told, it was his story. You have a story you'll tell that's your story. And your story will reach people in ways mine doesn't and none of our leaders do. Because God's given you a unique experience of him that others can find and discover and learn from. We're deploying you. I don't want you to miss this. And then we would just say it this way. 
It's the same thing. We discover his love, we give his love. We discover his love, we give this love, repeat. I feel like it's a wash cycle or something, but it's a beautiful picture. And one thing I do want to celebrate, because, I mean, some of it's, it's kind of sensing. I, I can't tell you, here's the number on this. But there has been a sweetness amongst you of wanting what God wants, letting go in this hateful world of constantly fighting. Like, I, I don't know how fully we understand the measure of maturity in the life of the church is always love. It's not being right, it's love. Our own leaders, the Wesleys who started this movement, said ultimately perfection is becoming unbelievably like Jesus in how you love. Like that's the end of the day what we come as more loving people. That's why in Paul's first letter, he goes, listen, you can do all these wonderful things. You can be right and have prophecy and change the world. But if you don't have love, it's just an annoying sound. Because love is the measure. And this is what I'll tell you. You are all more loving than I saw a year ago. And I don't mean that as an affront to where you were, but I experience it and see it and I hear about it from others. And I just want to say, let's keep growing in that. Because it's beautiful, it is. And I think it will change the world. I'm convinced of that. But that's what's going to impact them. And then I'll, I'll just tell you this in terms of what we have done this year. We made a focus on the journey this year, and it was because we felt like it was a way to help everybody understand how we're growing in this. And 100 of you went through all four steps of it. So I want you to give yourself a hand that 100 of you went through it. I do. And I'll say it this way. The beauty isn't just that you did it. Though I will tell you, anything someone does four times in a row is remarkable in our culture today, unless it's a kid's sporting event. But anything else is, is water under the bridge. It's amazing that you did it. But the reports we heard back of how you're growing in both becoming a person, discovering communion with Jesus and being deployed is powerful. And so I want to celebrate. We're going to keep growing in how we cultivate that and grow it very simply. And then I, I, I want to take all of this and go, okay, I'm going to give you the blessing, but here is just a very simple encouragement. See, the Father loves you radically. And I want to give you a picture of what that might look like. So John of Kronstadt, who was a 19th century Russian Orthodox priest, <laughs> he, was a, he was an outlier because most of the priests at that time stayed in the, the life of the church and waited for people to come. And in Russia, they were a mess. Everybody was broken everywhere. And there was a, they were even on the streets just falling apart. You know what this guy did? He went to the streets. He would find people on the streets laying there and he would go down to them and pick them up and say, you have a greater dignity than this. The Lord of the universe wants to be housed inside of you fully. He wants you to know him and his love. He met them on the shore of their brokenness. And I would say like a good ship monkey brought walnuts of love to them. And I go, that's what we're called to do. You see, the more we understand this love, the more we'll want to give it. You can't give what you don't have, but the more you have, the more you want to give. So how about if when I ask for this, you ask for it too? And then I'll simply say it this way to finish up. I want you to look for his love. I want you to look for the shores and I want you to discover and give. In other words, the more you get, the more you give. The more you get, the more you give. The more you get, how can you discover God wants you to give it to others and be present and be loving? And with this, I want to pray for us. And I don't want to miss first of you that have maybe never responded to Jesus. Like maybe you're sitting in the shore of an undignified life and you're going, man, it's broken and there's no way God could have more for me. And I go, oh, you're just wrong. If God can turn a terrorist 
into a champion, he can love you. Maybe others of you are going, I'm living a moral life. I'm hoping it's just enough that God will be pleased with me. And I go, you're on the wrong track. Because you'll never be better than others and you'll never be good enough. And by the way, that's not how God loves us, is hoping we get to enough. Your hard work is not what he's going to be pleased with. It's knowing who you are and how he might fill you in your brokenness to give others love you can't do on your own. So I'm going to pray for us. And in particular, if you're someone who hasn't responded, I'm going to invite you to respond as I pray. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm asking you to meet each of us with your love. So I pray for any among us that have never responded to Jesus, that they might hear your very voice saying, I'm with you. I see you in your brokenness. I love you and forgive you in it. And just ask him, Lord, forgive me in my sin. And then ask him to fill you fresh, to live a new life full of him that meets others on the shores of their struggles and brings the walnuts of love to them. And if you want that, just say, Lord, receive my, receive my love, forgive my sins, and be my savior. And then for others of us who follow, why don't you ask God to show more of his love and ask you how to see that he wants to give it to others. Help you see into the life of others that you would know how to be his loving presence in any moment you enter. Lord, help us grow as people of love that we would understand the height and breadth and depth and width of your love. God, pour it out into us that we'd pour it out into others. I pray this in your name, amen. amen. Hey, we always give space at the end of the service to worship and celebrate communion. As acts we do of recognizing, we see God as he is, and as we do, he moves, and we celebrate the sacrament of communion that he died and rose for us. So let's stand together as we enter this response time. And you just ask the Lord if he wants to say anything else to you, whether it's through a lyric, whether it's through something that comes to mind, realize he's gonna keep speaking to you as we've kind of, let percolate what he wants to say. So you receive even as you worship and let's worship together.
when you came in, it's the bread and the cup right in there in one. The top layer is the bread, the bottom is the cup. These images we call a sacrament. They're images of the very life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he actually took the bread. He took an image of his very body. He said, you wanna know how much I love you? Man, I'm coming to be with you to die for you, to conquer sin and death, to rise and to give you my presence. Tell me that's not love. <laughs> I mean, that's a crazy, amazing love. And I can't make you or manufacture an emotion or a gratitude, but man, I'm hoping we uncover it more and more, whether we're even aware or not. So he took this bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, it is given for you. And we receive something we could never do on our own. Let's take of the bread. In the same way he took the cup, he said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It is sweet. Because <laughs> freedom and life is sweet. And by the way, cups in the ancient world were meant to be shared. It's not something just for you. It's something you go out and you bring to others. And they share this cup of freedom with you. Let's receive of that. Lord, I'm asking for a fresh expression of your love and grace to each of us where we need you today. And continue to meet us as we worship. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand up and as we kind of sing the remainder of the song, sing into the bridge. I don't know what God wants to say to you, but maybe as you sing the words, ask him, is there something he wants to speak to, reveal, or even help you understand? And make no mistake, when you're confident singing them, it pours out onto other people too. So some of us, we're holding the line so others believe it's true. For others, we need to hear it to believe it. But let's worship together to close out our time.
of big moments that stay with you. And uh, it's so true for me. Whenever I sing about fear and about trusting and love, I have this memory standing next to my dad as he was passing and my mom just kept saying over him, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And uh, man, I want you to know that for you. And I don't know what the moment will be, but I'm hoping that moment keeps growing in us that we know nothing can separate us from his love. There is nothing we need to fear because he overcomes that and his love overcomes that and overshadows it. And your circumstance will not dictate it. Your going great will not fix it and going poorly will not destroy it. <laughs> That's crazy. And so I am gonna give you the blessing in just a minute here for this series and for this day. 
I wanna tell you two things before you go. One is some of you need to run. And I don't mean run away, you need to run down here. You can walk, that's okay too. But I want you to be reminded that is an act of love. We don't just do it because all we should serve people. We do these steps because it means we're gonna help kids that would die live. And we're gonna change trajectory of situations. That's something to walk or run for, isn't it? And we love that you're a part of doing those kinds of things. And then I do want you to know, because it's the end of the year and we're celebrating and just remembering all God's been doing, that I wish I could tell you we have caviar out there, but we have popcorn. So we're gonna dry you up and make you really thirsty because we love, who, love popcorn? Who's with me? I love it. It's one simple way of saying, listen, we're celebrating that you are our family and we finished another year and God is good in it. And we give thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to place your hands out as a point of receiving and I get to give you this wonderful blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. <laughs> oh, and may you not just increasingly discover it, but may you give it away to others as they need it for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.